it's a legitimate issue to though. the economy is when here it is, you've got the sales order of a lifetime to take your business to the next level. And you got whoever sitting on the couch going, nah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to come to work because I make more money sitting at home. That and if you don't want to step on that one, no, we, I'm. We're, I'm we're, it, yeah, it, we, it, it was. It's a. It's a. It's reality, and we actually yeah. experienced it. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with saying I experienced it. Some experienced it, so I'm going to do it. It literally happened. Literally, in fact, before I even flew back there, and I'm not just, I'm not just blaming only California. Yeah. It was the general yeah. thing, but still, right. But still, it was extra tough. Even literally before before I flew back, as, after you and I saw that house and we met yeah. together, I was already on the horn. I had a couple of days before I had to fly back trying to get things started up and welcome to winning strategies playbook the podcast where we welcome business leaders ceos and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top building wealth and real estate insights here's your host jeremy span how are you doing my friend pretty good good to see you again man thanks for the invite good to be here man Thank you for coming. I know you are a busy, busy man, entrepreneur, business owner, and probably just got this. this matter of fact, you just flew back in last night, right? Flew back in last night. I was supposed to come back last week. And the last minute, something else came up for work, and so I had to delay the flight. So it's uh, part of the deal now, so I'm kind of used to it. But luckily, it was right <laughs> before we got here, so I'm still adjusting. So you're back to flying in this post-pandemic protesting, writing, election year trifecta of 2020, as I like to call it. It's been uh, quite the year, I think, for all of us. Right. And you and I have talked about it a lot, but mm. from a business perspective, personal perspective, social perspective, political perspective, it's shaken a lot of things up, which I'm sure we'll get into, but yeah. um, it's been interesting. So I, I have a lot to talk about there, too. Oh, so. man. Like, we, just on the conversations you and I alone have, we could probably make this a 12-month series of just <laughs> unwrapping that, right? So my father-in-law says, I always have to do a joke for each of these recordings. So you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. How does NASA organize a party? I could give you a rude answer, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> they plan it. Ah. <laughs> You're a natural. Oh man, yeah, yeah. No, none of these are original. I can assure you. Yeah, sure. uh, there's, there's. I've, I, I could, I've got a list of them that I've just downloaded, and I've tried to um, find some that, if possible, can I identify with the guest speaker. So I just thought, you know, that with the punchline being the planet, and tell the great audience the name of your company. We are Monarch Green Incorporated. And what does Monarch Green Incorporated do? We are a company that manufactures products that deal with uh, oil spill cleanup, how we first started. From that range, we went into sandless sandbag manufacturing, so it eliminates the need for traditional sandbags. And now, on the other end of the spectrum as well, our third line, we do what's called our water hog products. And what those do, those actually remove water, which is an impurity, they remove water from fuels and oils. So one end of the spectrum is removing oils and fuels from water and land. The other end being removing water from oils and fuels. And the middle of it being, if you want to call it that, um, the sandless sandbag 
where we eliminate the need for sandbags. So three different types of uh, operations we have. The newest being the water hog line. Newest being the water hog line. Mm -hmm. So before we go into, well, actually, let's talk first about your your business, your history of becoming an entrepreneur, what kind of led you there. And then I want to, once we've kind of gone over that, I want to jump into something that you and I have in common is we are advocates, or not advocates, we are active studies of the media and following what's going on, not necessarily on the news channels Information themselves. junkies. Information junkies. That's the part. I want to write that down. Information. <laughs> Won't even charge you. <laughs> <laughs> Information junkies. Uh, so before we dive into that, because I know that that is a rabbit hole that once we start chasing it, we probably won't make time to talk about anything else, is so you are from... Am I allowed to say it? You're allowed to say it. California, Southern California. California. And you are where now? Out here in beautiful, amazing, awesome Fort Worth, Texas. Except for we're like a mile from the sun with a thousand percent humidity. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good trade-off for me. So we're, we're in California. Tell, Southern California, Orange County, Newport Orange. Beach. I was born in, grew up yeah. in a little city called Villa Park, yeah. a little bit inland. And uh, we have our company base operations out there still. Yeah. And uh, my family and friends are all out there still for the most part. And um, it's where I call home other than uh, Fort Worth. All right. So this move for you has been recent. Very yeah. Actually, I started off uh, about a year and a half ago. I think it was almost yeah, a year and a half ago yeah. in Austin. Okay. A good buddy of mine had moved out. I always wanted to move to somewhere else to try something different. Mm -hmm. Texas kept coming up on my radar. I just kept doing my informational research and so on. And Texas there was a just, spreadsheet behind that, if that I was remember right. spreadsheet. We talked about that. That's correct. <laughs> Customized spreadsheet. I kept reading these. You You're know. like, what's the whack on this thing? Yeah. It looks like yeah, Texas did, is where we're going. Did, yeah. <laughs> did Jeremy already program this thing somehow or what, right? So I kept getting data over the years, you know, yeah. just to see what, what might be different. And it just kept coming up. But what happens was, what happened what was happening was I kept getting rankings and reports from, you know, different publications that would rank certain states and areas and so on. And I thought, that's, that's okay. But what about my own criteria? Mm -hmm. Right. So I put a bunch of my own parameters in there. And Texas kept popping up for the things that I believe in and like. So I thought, okay, well, someday, because it's hard to leave the friends, family, place you grew up, your business, um, you know, people you're close with, spend time with. And I had a hard time with that. So I thought, well, maybe someday. Then a buddy of mine moved to Austin to take up a position out there. And I, and I moved him out there. I thought, well, this would be interesting. I can probably dip my toe in the water out here. I'll know somebody in Texas. Give it a shot. So I was there for a little bit, and it was okay, but I thought, well, let's try something that might be, you know, more up my alley. So I thought, what, why not Fort Worth? So I came up and checked it out and thought, let's, let's give it a whirl, and here I am. So I got here at the uh, end of February of this year, and, of course, <laughs> that's, that's been interesting. But uh, Timing was impeccable. Yeah, 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 yeah. But any, for anything, but still, it's yeah. been interesting. But uh, I still think it's a cool place, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So, all right, because I, I want to I unpackage this uh this parameters for choosing Texas. So you're leaving an area that has the most beautiful weather on the planet to come to the state of Texas, which don't get me wrong. I was born here. I'm always going to be a Texan. I love Texas, but man, it gets hot and sure gets humid. So you're going to leave perfect weather for hot and humid. 
What went into these parameters that said, all right, we're going to choose Texas? Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that. The irony there, you guys actually had it easy about two weeks ago. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Out there, even inland Laguna Hills, California. Yeah. It hit 112 degrees. It was 121 in Woodland Hills, which is about near L.A., and there's actually humidity out there now, too. So that's changed. So oh. it didn't used to be a humid place, and now it does have humidity, and the heat has been pretty incredible. I know it gets, it, it, Texas is yeah. more days of it. I get that. But we still get our fair share of 90-plus, 100-plus, but the records that were set a couple weeks ago were actually unprecedented. So. I was looking back at you guys thinking, man, they got a good back there. What's Jeremy doing kicking back in his, you know, his spa with a beer right now? And his, you know, a different story, right? So, well, it's funny. You were thinking of me being here because you wanted to be here. I was actually in my Colorado house where it was funny. like 75 degrees. That's right. But you had that crazy temperature swing, didn't oh, you? Oh, man. No, we, we did 70 up degrees there. In, one, in one day or something like it that? It was, um, so we were up there. And of course, one of the interesting things about buying a house in the mountains that I, I had to wrap my head around is they don't have HVAC. That right, right, and I'm like, how how do you not have air conditioning mm -hmm. up here? And so the agent that I used to, even though I work in the industry, if I'm going to go somewhere that I'm not familiar with, I'm going to find the best in there to advise me on whether it's a second home, investment property, or whichever else, because I want to know who knows what's going on there, right? Absolutely. And we we sit on the top of a hill or a mountain, actually, right? We're the highest peak in that. When I say subdivision, like Texas, you hear subdivision, and you got like a thousand houses. Well, they're like all three acre to 30 acre lots with, you know, big houses and whatnot. And so we're, we face looking at Pagosa Peak. We're up on the top. We're at the highest elevation of all the houses that are over in that particular area. And I said, man, it's only actually going to get hot enough where you need a fan in your room, maybe <laughs> a dozen days out of the year. And I was like, what? I was like, well, you've only got two fireplaces in this thing. How do you heat it? And they said, well, we got radiant flooring. So I had to learn what that was. Hot water running through the floor. And Crazy. Pretty cool. Pretty sophisticated. And, um, but it did hit that heat wave up, which I think hit the entire U.S. It got, it did get a little warm up there for a couple of days there in mid-August that it was just. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because they didn't have, they didn't do a lot of uh, AC uh, in installations in Southern California for years. Mm -hmm. Back to the place I lived in years ago. Built in the seventies, no air conditioning whatsoever. Yeah. Zero. Because right right in the coast and you have the air coming in, got but it got breeze. to be where you need it now. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and then um, you know, as you've become aware of us getting to know each other is I travel back and forth, about fifty fifty split of time up there. I come here to work in the business, I go there to work on the business. Or is it here to work on the business, there to work whichever it is, I always get the Whatever the right way is. That's right. Right. <laughs> and uh but Laura, my wife and business partner, only comes back with me about every other time, right? Because she loves Colorado. She's like, I don't want to go deal with the heat. She's also an avid runner like you. Awesome. Like I was remember last time you were in town and we were having beers with those NBA buddies of mine and you showed up. And I was like, why? Are you? I told you it was hot, sweating here. And you're like, yeah, man, I just ran, went and ran like five miles. I was like, you know, it's like 110 outside, right? Got to get it in. <laughs> you're like, I got to get it in. Got to get it in. And then, you know, if I'm going to have a beer, I got to go learn it first. And uh so, but, so I came back a week before her this time because she was still coming back and, uh, but she wanted to wait another week up there. And I generally, my first week back is nothing but insanity. Nobody, I mean, she's not going to see me. I mean, it's just, as soon as I hit the ground, it's meeting, 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 meeting. And then second week closed down a little bit. Third week, if I'm here a third week, then it's enough of a buffer, then I go back. 
So she's like, well, I'm not even going to come back the first week because you're just, you're going to be gone 24 seven, you know? And so she, the day before she's driving back, which was last week, Wednesday, she sends me a little video that it's snowing. And I was like, uh, well, I wanted to be there while I was snowing. Bummer. Snowing and, in August or September. Yeah, snowing in September, right? And so she got back, and then um, this Saturday or Sunday, we'll head back up there. We're going to go there for a week, and then we got parents weekend because Maggie's in Fort Collins That's at right. CSU. And then we'll come back for a couple of weeks and then head back up there, and hopefully we're starting to see some powder on the ground. Maybe, maybe it'll even, if it's already starting to snow this early, Maybe they'll get the slopes going and we can Not hit too much skiing in Texas, so I understand <laughs> that. Yeah. So funny story. You can ski in Texas. Where's that? Really? So, um, God, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. Um, luckily, I'm it's my sure that, brought it up, probably, so. probably sure the statue of limitations is up on this. Um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that everybody that was around when this happened is retired from the PD now. You, know, you got to be so sensitive of everything you say in the police world right now because— Man, police officers are so many in the public, public enemy number one. And I'm not trying to make it. that a political comment or anything, yeah. but my dad's a retired police officer. Um, I spent almost 20 years in that career. And I, you know, I have a lot of respect, even more so now. Guys coming in? Yeah, because, I mean, to know what you're going to get yeah. in front of now and you still choose to put on that uniform and go to work, Wow. That takes, I, man, honestly, I, I don't know that, I don't know that, I, I, I went and did my retirement qual last week. So every year I got to do my, go down there, mm -hmm. qualify. And, uh, and you do you, all these retirees, you see some that just retired or in the last couple of years, like I did. And then you got some that retired like long enough ago that I asked one guy, he was so ancient that I was like, Hey, when you first came on the department, did y'all use swords? <laughs> I mean, he goes, actually, they were daggers, you know? <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, uh, so it's probably safe to say the story is um, I had a college buddy of mine that was in town. And when when we had finished, um, no, no, no. Yeah. So he had, he had moved to Colorado, but then was in Texas for, I think, to see his mom. And we had this snowstorm. And this was back in... Okay, I think the end of the 90s. Had to have been the end of the 90s, maybe early, early 2000, 2001, maybe. And anyhow, it had snowed, which only happens every couple of years here in Texas. But it's usually so hot, the ground's so hot, it doesn't stick. But sometimes it just, it sleets, it really sleets this more than- Which part again of Texas? This is here, here in the Metroplex. Oh, for real? Yeah. And so there was a pretty thick level of sleet and snow on the ground- where no crime is happening, right? Because Texans don't know what to do when there's snow on the ground. And I can tell you, criminals are like, uh-uh, I'm not going out there. <laughs> Man, it's cold. That's, that's California when it rains. Yeah. People are like, what I'm going to I'm gonna have to wait a couple of days to do, some, do my crime because, it's, <laughs> you know. And, and so anyhow, my buddy called me. He was out there over off of 820 in Rosedale. And I was like, what are you doing? So I drove my patrol car down there. I was working midnights. And uh, so I drive down there. And I was like, what are you doing? He goes, man, I was trying to find a, a big enough hill that I could take my skis on. And he had another buddy with him. And I was like, oh, you want to go skiing? Well, we can go skiing. He's like, how's that? And I was like, you got a rope? He's like, yeah, I got a rope. Funny. So we hooked it up to the trunk, closed the trunk, made like a little makeshift <laughs> like you would be water skiing. He straps on his skis. And I turn on the lights and sirens, and he's skiing behind my that patrol car funny. going down Rosedale, right? And he is, man, he's in and out. 
And then it was kind of funny because that's hilarious. There was an ambulance that was parked there, and he skis by and slaps it right. And then uh, there was another unit. Um, I think I remember who it is, but I'll leave them nameless. Uh, who was parked there? That literally was like looking at me going by. He was like, "Is that why? Who's running code?" This is and hilarious. Why, why is there a skier behind him? So anyhow, well before cell phones. Oh man. Long before social media or any of this stuff, mm-hmm. right? And uh, like I said, this is, this is at least two decades ago. So funny. And, uh, you know, because we were bored. I mean, a couple of days of snow. Nobody's committing crime. There's no calls to Plus answer. Plus you get a story forever. You get a story for the next oh, three decades. Yeah. And we're, we're bored. I mean, there's no, there's nothing going on. And the, I am, you know, idle hands are the devil's hands, right? And I am <laughs> the worst person to have time on their hands, right? And so... Anyhow, I hear the radio, you know, it was like East Patrol, George 318. That was my beat number, George 318. So I turned the siren off and I was like, George 318, go ahead. And they're like, go to the talk channel. And so I do, 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 over to the talk channel. They were like, uh, George 18, what unit are you driving? And I was like, I was like, why? You give your buddy's number, right? <laughs> and I, so I keyed back. I was like, why do you ask? And the dispatcher's response was, you know exactly why we're asking. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I pulled over and I told, I told Gabe, I was like, hey, man, you got you to gotta get out of here, dude. You got to get your buddy picking up the truck. Get the hell out of here right now. You know, so it does snow in Texas every once in a while. And it's funny because my buddy Gabe and, oh, man, and I'm hoping he'll listen to this. He was one of these guys that was like, you're, you're, you're like, hey, I. I think it's a modern day miracle that I made it to the age of 25, but I am certain this guy never will. <laughs> and now he's this incredibly successful tax attorney. So I was like, hey, weren't you the guy scanning behind my patrol car and now you're a tax attorney? That sounds <laughs> stimulating, right? <laughs> so sure his clients will love hearing oh, that one. Oh, man. So just Gabe Hogan. So Gabe Hogan, if you're out there, I remember we were scanning behind my patrol car. Uh, That's funny. So, yeah. So funny, you know, just weird weather things happen and... So ready, ready to get up there and hit some slopes. So you have proved there actually is skiing in Texas. I like <laughs> there it. is skiing in Texas. Uh, I wouldn't recommend any officers that are currently listening to this to try <laughs> this in today's climate. Although I'm pretty sure that with everything Literally going and figuratively. on, yeah. I'm just you know. Although I'm sure that the mass public would rather see a video of a police car and a skier behind a police car than maybe some of the things that they're all riding and protesting over right now. Um, right, but it just. Crazy, crazy times, crazy fun things that we we all do. So, but I'm really excited. I really want to get up there to go skiing because when we were up there in March, that was the plan was to go hit some slopes and COVID shut down everything. Like, hey, we don't want anybody to get um, corona, so we're going to shut down the ski slopes. Like, I, but everybody's wearing gloves up. and bundled up, and like, yeah. I, like this is probably the safest place for anybody to yeah. be, right? And you're outside. I'm pretty sure that no one's going to get corona off the snow. No. You know, now I can tell you, I'm probably going to wipe out, and that snow is going to go everywhere. And maybe that's what they're worried about. <laughs> Some cross contamination that, no, but anyhow, um, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's funny. So, all right. So, you've got your, your company, and it's, Hotter and humid out there than it is here. For a while, short for while. A little bit. I short, can't brag too much. Short, short while. So what went into these parameters that said all the arrows keep pointing to Texas? What do you mean in terms of? Yeah, when you, you had your spreadsheet and you were like, hey, there's oh, just you mean for coming out here. Right, for coming out well, here. Oh, just, oh, man, it's a huge list. I mean, just, uh, I'm a big, um, well, this is going to be uh, interesting, but as far as the cost of living, yeah. taxes, 
business friendly, uh, general political atmosphere leaning, even though I'm not a political hard right or left myself, yeah. I do prefer to have something at least go, you know, sort of one way. Right. There. Uh, housing costs, obviously. Um, I'm a big Second Amendment kind of guy, so that was big on big for me also. Personal freedoms. Really comes down to personal and business freedoms for me. Yeah. M- for the most, like, 99% probably. And so whatever I could pick out of those, as I saw getting less and less where I was and more and more elsewhere, that's what drove me. So I would make, I would make out my list based on those. And oh, another thing would be traffic. That's another mm. one, big one there. So a lot of the ones that, hit that affect most people, but for me, there were some personal ones that I probably gave some more weight to. Yeah. Like the individual freedoms, business freedoms, and, uh, and, you know, cost of living would be probably the biggest ones. Okay. So let's talk about business. Let's do it. Right. You're, you're an entrepreneur. You're, you tell us how, how did that, how did that happen for TJ? How did TJ become an entrepreneur? You know, it, as a matter of fact, I'm going to open this up as this statement is. In your words, the difference between someone who has entrepreneur spirit and someone who has entrepreneur courage. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I saw that. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very well put. Because like, as, you, as you well put, yeah. a lot of people do have the entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. It's the courage to get out and do it. That's the hard part, no mm-hmm. doubt. So for me, I have to give a lot of credit to my father because I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. That's how things always were. It was always um, starting this, trying that, doing this. You're the owner of this. You have the extra responsibility for that. Um, you've got the extra, extra risk taking for that. So you kind of grow up with it and think that's the way you do it. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. And so uh, I go through the you know, formal education and come out and get my first job job out of school for a large company. And uh, I thought I would try that just to see what it's like. And, you know, is it my forte or not? I got all these fancy degrees. What the heck? Why not give it a shot? <laughs> Within the first couple of months, um, that atmosphere just wasn't for me. And I'm not saying it's not, it's a bad thing for the world. It's just for me personally. I didn't want to be, you know, stuck in a cubicle just doing, you know, spreadsheets all day and see, see human being every, you know, four or five hours, whether there was work to do or not. And so I um, had actually wanted to go back into real estate. Well, my dad had always been a, a developer, a mortgage banker. He uh, started off selling houses out of, out of college in his, um, in the 1960s. And I thought, well, I want to learn real estate. It's done well for him. I've seen how it works, and let's do it. So I approached him, and I said, you know, um, I'd like to learn this development business. He was pretty much retired at the time. Okay. He tried to, he's tried to retire three or four times. He's probably like how you'll be. You'll try to retire three or four <laughs> hey, times. Hey, I'm just a mirror of you, so don't even be pointing <laughs> fingers on that, right? <laughs> I mean, so, we are virtually and essentially unemployable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have no choice but to work for ourselves. Yeah, right? yeah. and you yeah. got a good point there, right, yeah. and as I discovered, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I, I said, hey, you know, hey, Pop, I, you know, I know you're done, but you're sort of done, but I want to learn this trade and, you know, don't pay me a, a darn thing. Um, we'll use your capital and your expertise. So I'll go out and research and find the sites. We'll do some, you know, commercial development. And so um, I wanted to learn it. I said, let's do it. And I want him to be my uh, mentor and so on. So we did that for about um, six and a half years. Started off doing small uh, commercial development centers where you've got some retail food pad, gasoline, and car washes. And we, we'd run a couple of those ourselves also, run a couple of different gasoline stations. And we were going to do a, a bunch more. We buy, you know, five to 10 acre sized properties. And then the great financial crisis hit. Now he was already okay. He had already, in fact, cashed out of most of his stuff before that. So we're in 08, 09 yep, era. Right around there. Yep. Okay. And I was just 
trying to get started in it. I'm like, oh, we just, you know, just trying to get started doing this. And the timing was horrible for me, but it wasn't good for anybody. But for him, at least he missed, you know, most of the hit. So for me, it was very interesting. I was like, oh, God. It's like being 16, getting the keys to the car, and you realize you don't have money for gas. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it, very similar. Yeah. Are you ready to go in the car? Your car's all clean. It's ready. It's cleaned out. It looks good. Ready to go. You got your, got your plans. You're all excited. Yeah. And here you are. You've done the hard work to earn it. You know, and now the heart. Now you want to get it going. Same thing. And the cute redhead is waiting for you to pick her up. <laughs> that's and what you like. You're yeah. like <laughs> blonde, whichever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you're like, uh, I don't have any gas money. Yeah. So it was here a, you are. It was, if anything, it was a good exposure to my first real taste of a of a uh, of a business shock. Because you because you you tend to think you don't really you're kind of naive still. You don't you know you're young. You don't think that you you've heard things can go bad, but you don't know they can go wrong like that. And so you go through it. And I was like, this is interesting. Wow. Yeah. And he said, people do it all, they go through it all the time. So from there, it was, uh, well, get another job somewhere or, or, or uh, what am I going to do? So I was just close to getting another job job somewhere in finance. The last minute, a, um, a business partner, prior business partner of my dad's, had approached him with this idea that, one of, that somebody else he knew um, had uh, uh, serendipitously come across and it happened to be a way to deal with uh, oil absorption, and especially if it's on water. Now, this is right around the time of the, um, of the BP spill, okay. the giant BP spill. And so everybody was thinking about ways to do it. And so we had this more efficient method. So to make a long story short, we started a company. I was like, the more I got involved in hearing about it and seeing it, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. I'll, I'll, get in, I'll get involved with this. All right. I thought another chance to build something up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, new, new, totally different industry. Nothing real estate, totally different. Right. Uh, so to go from real estate to manufacturing is very interesting. It's a whole different world. Much like mm-hmm. you had to go from what you were doing before to all of a sudden, you know, being involved with with uh, real estate and, yeah. and yourself. It's just a different world. It's an adjustment. So, totally different. So um, it was interesting. And the learning curve was just vertical, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of stuff you don't expect. And, you know, even even what you uh, expect, you don't expect, you don't, it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? So that was interesting. So from there, we 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 built um, one product, and then from there, it turned into others. My dad is pretty creative. He's a good, um, very creative type. Very creative. He's a creative genius. Very, he'll know what needs to be done and how to design the product, the technicals uh, around it, and so on. He's good with like the big picture stuff and doing that. He would kind of devise what we'd need, and then I'm operational and logistical, and I run stuff from that standpoint from a general level. So it was kind of a good a good uh, team up, and then from there he designed our other products, uh, our our sandless sandbag products, and then our our water hog products, and so we have those three different lines now. And it's been ten years, hard to believe, but actually incorporated wow. ten years ago next month, so it's hard to believe. And uh, just that ride has been interesting, also from a manufacturing, making widgets, manufacturing yeah. raw materials, labor, all that stuff, totally different than real estate development or any other job I might have gone with. So it's been interesting. Yeah, and. And I tell you, what's kind of funny is like when you talk about that, you know, learning curve being absolutely vertical is Mm -hmm. the successful entrepreneurs out there. It's almost like we went, oh, this road over here looks really smooth, but this one looks like it is going to be a sledgehammer to the face. That's the one I want to do, right? (laughs) Like, what is it? I mean, literally all of our guests that we've had these conversations with. We all agree. Like, there's something wrong with us. Like, we're masochists. <laughs> like, we enjoy pain to a certain level because pain is a great teacher. But, you know, it's that's a part about being successful is 
doing the hard stuff, right? I think it also has to do a lot with the fact you you have a hard time with too much structure. Even though I'm very mm-hmm. structured, disciplined, and regimental, it's hard if, 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 you're, if you're stuck within a certain bounds. And there are certain types that can't do it, even, even less so than others, which we need those crazy types. We wouldn't, if our company wouldn't exist if we didn't have my dad's crazy, you know, go for it, uh, try this crazy thing attitude at the same time, me keeping things under control. So you got to have that. So like you said, you've got to be able to do that. And, if, and some people just don't want to, and that's, that's, a, fair, that's a fair thing. So it only works, uh, you know, sometimes. That's, that's how it's going to be. So here's the funny thing when you talk about structure, right? That is not my strength. So I have to build things into place. Like you and I, you know, we've talked about, you know, being successful. What are some of the things that you have to do that you necessarily don't like to do? So one of the things I have to do is get up at four o'clock in the morning because there are things that I have to do in order to be the subject matter expert at what I do. But at about six o'clock, things start spinning up. At seven o'clock, they get busy. At eight o'clock in the morning, there's no way I'm going to be able to do any of this information junkie research or anything or be a subject matter expert because everybody's trying to get a piece of you, right? And so because it, it's unnatural for me to be structured, which really sounds funny, is spent six years in the Marine people, right. right? The most structured environment you can be in, police department, structured, very rigid, but by personality traits and processing traits, I'm not, that I have a daily checklist that I have to look at every single day and I follow it work line by line until all this is done. This and way you can answer the, the did you question. The did you question. The one right there on the, on the uh, well, it's got my do not disturb on here, so it may not pop up, but oh, it's my little screensaver there is did you. And uh, what, for the audience, what TJ is referring to is in my house, um, on my mirror in my bathroom says, is a big sign. It says, did you? And it is a reminder is, did you do everything you were supposed to do today? Because as many of these podcasts will hear this come out of my mouth more times than not is the biggest liar in the room is the one in the mirror, right? And that, did you? Did you tell your wife you love her? Did you tell your daughter you love her? Did you do everything you were supposed to do today? Did you leave it all on the table? And the answer is always no, right? Now, I did have a period of, oh, God, maybe it's been six months, maybe nine months, maybe a year ago, now more. But I had... Answered yes to that question three days in a row. Like, I left it all on the table. I gave it everything. And then it was like the third or fourth day I looked at me in the mirror, and I was like, no, I really haven't, right? I was lying to myself. There's always we could do more, right? You can always just, even if it's another inch, you can, you can go another inch, right? You can give a little bit more. And so by having this list, even though my routine is to do the same thing every day, seven days a week, now I've got my phone off. If I handed you my phone and you looked at that list and said, all right, read it off in order. Not only would I not be able to list everything, but I wouldn't list it in order. That My right. brain is so haywired when it comes to that, that I have to have an actual list <laughs> before I, I, do, I do a little check. Yep, got that done, that done, done. And I'm not a list person, but if I'm going to be successful in my day, I have to do that. If, people, if I'm going to be the subject matter right. expert that people expect me to be, I have to do that. But it's what I have to do that's outside of my nature, right? Yes. I mean, it's we do things that we need to do mm-hmm. 
in order to be successful so we can do the things we like to do. Right. So you being an entrepreneur, what do you like what do you like about that? Other than being your own boss and all that other fun stuff. What 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 is it about being a like business to, owner? It's good to focus on the things you like versus what you don't like. Because <laughs> it's too easy to focus on the things you don't like. Everybody thinks you have it made just because you um mm-hmm. Sort of call your own shots, but yeah. nothing. Nobody ever calls their own shots ever in any kind yeah. of business because if it's not your boss, it's your customers, All right? Or your or your market. And so there's always challenges. So um, the good, I guess, the good thing about it is it's yours. So you're that much more motivated to do well. I would do well. I would work hard anyway. In fact, it's one of mm-hmm. my my best traits is my work ethic. But because it's yours, you do give that extra millimeter. Right. You're always driving. I mean, it's nonstop, always driving. Pretty much every spare second I have for most of the day, not, you know, past a certain time when I'm, you know, watching hockey or, or reading some of our, our informational sources. Right. But literally, it's everything maximizing, getting as much done as possible, staying ahead of the curve as far as like what I need to have done, not get, you know, underwater. But really, it's the fact that I'm, I have the freedom to do it. Whereas in, if I was, you know, somewhere that wouldn't let me do that or I had to follow it a certain way or ask permission to do this might be not work, wouldn't probably work for me that well. So I guess the freedom to do that, to let me give that extra energy that I give naturally, I think that's probably my main uh, benefit of it, of, of, of being a, a business owner and uh, being an entrepreneur. It lets you do that. But I just, it lets me do what I want to do naturally, I think. It's mm-hmm. probably my answer. So... Have you ever had occasion or even still have the occasion where sometimes you get stuck in the weeds of things that aren't the highest, best use of your time, but oh for some gosh. reason they seem like it's a, it's, a, it's really a nap, but it sounds like a barking Rottweiler and yeah. then you get stuck in it and in, and in this cycle, which could last anywhere from a couple of minutes, a couple minutes to a couple of hours to days, even weeks at a time before you have to jerk yourself out of it to go, wait a minute, this is why I pay people to go do these other things. But it just, for some reason, it just gets louder and louder. I just had this conversation this morning with my sister, who's going through the same thing with with her work at at the moment, where, and and my problem is I'm very detail-oriented, extremely, and very thorough, and I have to have it done. And I will easily get trapped in that, where it's, you want to get everything done the way you want it, Mm-hmm. When you want it done, which is now, obviously, everything's yesterday urgent, and how you want it done. And the hard thing is I will take on way more than I should detail-wise, get involved to the point where I, you, I can miss some of the more important things, which I'm sure many people have told you about themselves also that, that own businesses. Yeah. But you want it to go a certain way. What's frustrating is when others don't share the same sense of urgency or interest that you do. So, so to me, the interest level is the main thing. So I'm not going to have everybody have the same interest level that I interact with within, you know, especially outside organizations that are, you know, that's their own deal. If it's a raw material yeah. provider or a producer or so on. And so having to do the extra small things there and my problem with delegating, which I'm not very good at. <laughs> Um, can be can be tough. That can be very frustrating. So, oh, that's one of the hardest things to actually overcome as an owner. And I've I've talked to other owners about that, and they probably agree. It's hard to give that up and let someone else do something that you really want to do and now and have it done the way you want to have it done. Yeah, it can be very frustrating. You and know, it takes your time too. It does. And you know, and and you know, the funny the funny part. And as I'm, I know you, I know you took this thing, and that's why I'm trying to find it was what is it? Uh, that cultural index. Uh, 
Why is it? I know you took it. I just can't find it for some reason. The cultural index of survey. Didn't I send you that survey? Oh, you know what? <laughs> or did you blow it off? Mea culpa. I didn't uh, do it yet. You didn't I gotta do, do it, it. yet? No. Oh, you got to do it. You I was do it. so busy. Oh. On no joke. No, for, that's why I had to go yeah. back for production runs. No, yeah. literally. Yes, I could have taken a Sunday. I get that. <laughs> I, I did. I could have. But I, honestly, I would detox. every. <laughs> I have to get that to you. Yeah. I no, owe it to you because you wanted to see where I am on that spectrum. I know. Oh, yeah. And it's just, and I'm fascinated by it, right, is understanding how we you. process information, yeah. right? And, yeah, let's actually, let's jump into that. You had to go back to California. We were down looking at that awesome property in Burleson with the zombie— did that thing not have the coolest zombie apocalyptic oh, yeah. shelter ever? Yeah. Like you could house like a dozen people in this thing and you would never know it was there. Pretty, very, very cool house. And you were distracted. I was like, hey, is everything going on? Is everything all right? And you were like, I got to go jump on a plane back to California. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. We had two Did actually. So we have obviously from a production standpoint, I can, I can do a lot of things from here with the technology we have nowadays and having good people back home. Yeah. But some every now and then, so I, we have a certain um, bandwidth of, of production that, you know, I'm, I know how to run. And every now and then it might, the volatility might jump a little bit in and out of it. Yeah. But for some crazy reason, beyond normal order backup, for example, uh, from shutdowns and so on, beyond normal order, you know, backlog, we had uh, some anomalous giant orders for our flood bag product, our sandless sandbag product, and our water hog products, the products that remove water from oils and fuels, giant. So it was a good problem to have. It was a problem. It was a good problem to have because from a raw material standpoint, labor standpoint, and time standpoint, uh, we had to really throw the coals in hotter, even heavier, because it was well outside the normal volatility bandwidth. So I had to go back and actually had to stay longer than I expected. Yeah. I expected to come back last week and get it done. But we got it done. And uh, we're a little bit, you know, that much more prepared now for something of that nature because in the growth stages, that can happen. Yeah. You can have, an, especially a new product, like we like these water hog products, which has been out for a few months. Um, you, you don't know what your, what your, what your uh, orders are going to be like. You don't know. So you've got to plan accordingly. You have some, some, some uh, inventory, but you don't know. So when something is large enough like that in a spike, you got to find a way to do it. So getting uh, personnel together, especially... California was a little bit difficult because we had extra restrictions for a while, which shut down. Long story, but uh, not just from a personnel standpoint, but also from raw materials, getting things moved. Truckers, shipping, supply the whole chain. deal. Yeah. yeah, supply chain, correct. So it was interesting. So like everything else, I, you know, in the company, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes, um, and anybody in my company will. Um, I was out there putting bags together myself sweating in that hot 112-degree uh, heat oh, in man. our plant, which is no yeah. uh, no HVAC, by the way. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, from up from, you know, the, the finances for the company and, and planning out the uh, operational uh, happenings for the next uh, few months out and, you know, and, and meeting with executives all the way down to uh, literally make, putting bags together and, and manually doing things, uh, I'm doing it. So I was out there, extra manpower getting it done, and we all got it done and got them out. So, so some of... Um, some of the folks I've known have had some labor shortages, mm. namely because they were like, I've got folks that are making more money sitting at home than coming to work. Yep. Did you experience any we of that? We had that at first. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Yep. Let's, and I know that is a 
hot button oh, yeah. political landmine to step on. But here's the deal, because you and I are big economists, right? We, we're, we're And we're going to jump into that after we do this of how geeky we get. I mean, we geek out on that stuff. But that's a real it's contributor a issue, to the economy is when, here it is, you've got the sales order of a lifetime to take your business to the next level, and you got whoever sitting on the couch going, nah, mm -hmm. I'm not going to come to work because I make more money sitting at home. That and if you don't want to step on that one. No, it's reality, and we actually yeah. experienced it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying I experienced it, so I'm, experienced it, so I'm going to do it. It literally happened. Literally. In fact, before I even flew back there, and I'm, just, I'm not just blaming only California. Yeah. It was the general yeah. thing, but still. Right. But still, it was extra tough. Even literally before, before I flew back, after you and I saw that house and we met yeah. together, I was already on the horn. I had a couple of days before I had to fly back trying mm -hmm. to get things started up. And I'm like, don't you, I'm thinking, don't you want the work? I mean, you're, yeah. you, you just told me you're not doing this and that. Because we do a lot, of, a lot of our sewing work is outsourced. We okay. do a lot of our own, but a lot of it's outsourced. And so uh, we have normal people that When you say sewing, for the audience's sake, what do you mean by that? So for our water hog, industrial sewing. Okay. So for our water hog products, they eliminate the need for traditional pumper trucks, mechanical equipment, um, service people to come out. Instead of having to have all that hoopla come out and deal with the uh, water impurities in your, in your fuel mm -hmm. or your oils, wherever water or fuel, I'm sorry, wherever oil or, or, um, or, or gasoline or fuels are, are stored, be it tanks or pipes, Water buildup, you have to have a, you know, usually you have to have a, have it serviced. Mm -hmm. it takes time, money, effort, it disrupts customers and so on. Ours are just these, it's hard to describe on camera, but yeah. uh, for the, for the, um, their, their fabric, it's like a, that's a, I'm trying to think of it. It's just, man, it's, it's sewing. Think, think of yeah. textile. Yeah. And you can actually use these products within the liquids themselves without having to disrupt too much. It'll just remove all the impurities. So when you have these textile types fabrics, right. they need to be sewn. Okay. And the industrial sewers, there's a couple of layers they put together and so on. So beyond our normal um, production house, we needed some extra. And it was hard to find people to do the extra work for these for the spike in volatility. And, we, you know, this is, um, you know, a month and a half ago, or almost almost two months ago, a month and a half ago. And you're, you're reading about these people out of work, and oh my gosh, it's, you know, this is horrible, and employment is terrible. And I know the real unemployment numbers because mm -hmm. I, I look at the real data. Like you and I talked about yeah. that, not what's reported in right. general uh, sources, so right. I say. But so I'm thinking, yeah, people want they want to work, right? So allegedly, yeah, allegedly, that's a good <laughs> word to use. And some did, some were happy, but a, but a few that I contacted were very interesting. It was very interesting. They didn't say it outright, but the way it turned out, I could tell that was the, that was the situation, and that was not only frustrating for me. On, on the micro level, but the macro level, because of what they're doing and, you know, in general, but also yeah. micro-wise for our so we need the work. We're willing to pay people to do it. But in the end, we ended up getting it done because I, I just had to do more work on my end and from in terms of finding people from further reaches and so forth and doing a little bit more than normal. But again, you do what it takes as, a, as an entrepreneur owner. You do what it takes, like you, you said. You figure it out. Found a way. Yep. yep. Including, you know, on the, on the uh, flood bag sandless sandbag production, getting in there and actually doing it, making it yourself. I can't mm -hmm. sew that well. So I, I'm like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll work on the flood bags and just, you know, move things together on, you know, manually yeah. on, a, on, a, on that product line. But even there we had to have extra labor. So 
uh, you make it happen. So you have a good point there. It was very interesting to see it. And politically, I don't, I don't think it's an issue because it really did happen. It's a fact. Yeah. So, um, it was so you, you as a business owner run into this challenge that literally you have no control over, right? right. I mean, there's just, I mean, you're going to figure it out because you're a business owner. It's what you do. Entrepreneurs do that. But walk me through some of the mental Olympics you had to go through to wrap your head around like what? Like, I mean, because for, for me personally, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so you're making more money sitting at home, but you do realize that that, that is not going to last forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And when that doesn't last forever, are you going to come back and be like, hey, please forgive me for not making the right decision? Yeah, right. You know, at least that's my mentality. And I'll, after you tell yours, I'll kind of break down yeah. what I did with the restaurant to try to alleviate that. Oh, yeah, so, that's yeah, right. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So what as a business owner, what, where was your mindset in that? I mean, were you mad? Were you angry? Were you frustrated? I mean, naturally, probably yes. all those, but— What's that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes all the above. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was interesting because, um, and it goes back to the interest level that I talked about earlier, where yeah. my biggest thing with up with just from what I've learned myself, people say, oh, you know, people work hard or what are they, what, what's their, are they not um, wanting to do this for whatever reason? What's their reasons for doing things or not? And is it money? Is it this? Is it that? Is it, is it, is it pride? Is it like to be busy? For me, it always comes down to the, interest level of somebody how interested is somebody is if you're interested enough you'll you'll make something happen and it's not some platitudinal cliche it's true yeah. so a, a great uh quote i actually saw when I was at the gym years ago a guy had a shirt on that said um if you are interested if, if you are not interested in something you will find an excuse if you are interested in something you will find a way Ooh. so what that means is your interest level is everything. So it's what's important to you. So if, it's, if you're interested, you'll find a way. If it matters to you, if it matters to you, you'll find a way. And so when you don't have everyone in that same scope, and I, and I can't blame everybody 100% for that. Sure. Are they really going to be as interested in the well-being of my operations as I am? Of course they're not. I, mean, yeah. I understand that. But I do expect a basic level if you're somewhere in the capacity that you're supposed to be in, for example, if you are a, 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 a contract sewer, for example, and you're out of work and, you, and you're kind of hinting that you like work, but you don't want to come in and do some work. And to me, it's like, well, you're not, in, you're not interested enough to do it. And then if I'm going to, I'm not going to force you. And if I do bring you in, what kind of work are you going to do? Are you going to do, you know? Yeah. So to answer your question, it's interest level. And I had some people that were, they were, they were on it. They were interested. They were, how can I do? I'm, thank you. Blah, blah, blah. And that took some extra work having to go through the ones that didn't, but we got them. And so, and I was interested, obviously, on getting these orders filled. Yeah. Right. Not only that, um, one of them was a brand new customer, giant, huge. And so not only large order, but brand spanking new, like first time ordering. So for me, it was even more important. It would be anyway, even small orders are important to me. They all are, but this especially. So I'm, I'm motivated. I'm interested. So instead of finding an excuse why we couldn't get it done, I found a way. Not to toot my own horn, but I did. So to answer your question, um, it was getting through that. So I know you had a similar situation with your— Oh, man. So, and this is—I think this is—and you're right, the interest level. I think that's the best way I've really heard this put because, again, if you go back to the spirit versus courage, right, Um, one of the things that comes with courage is when you have the spirit of something, you're worried about one— when you have the courage of something, you're worried about all. 
And so here it was. I've got this nonprofit that I started seven years ago, Cowtown Warriors, where 100% of the money raised goes straight to local wounded, ill, and injured veterans. Awesome. Okay? Pretty good, pretty good deal. And we're, we're able to do that because we have fabulous donors that underwrite the events that allow us that everybody that comes in for every penny in is penny going into the vets, you know, neat. Yep. Right? And we got the books to, sh- to prove it, right? Because you got so many of these ones out there that don't. We had our event, and it's every year on the last Saturday in February. Every year. But matter of fact, I got the Fort Worth Club book till the history of ever and ever. It's always going to happen, right? So here it was. Um, we had uh, Governor Rick Perry come as our guest speaker. We've had great speakers, by the way. The year before, we had General Dunford, who was the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff and a former commandant. Awesome. The year before that, we had General Neller, who at the time was a current commandant. And then we had uh, Admiral Stavridis, who used to run CENTCOM. And actually, you know, he was uh, uh, um, uh, the NATO commander. Uh, oh, cool. And so we've got, we've had this, I mean, and we've got great donors, it's a good event and all that. So we were all sitting there very thankful. Here it is a week and a half later after the event and the whole world's shutting down and nonprofits are going everywhere, right? No one's donating, nobody's doing anything, everything's frozen. We were like, oh man, thank goodness that we had our event when we had it. Because one of the elements that we added is a very generous donor also had underwritten our one full-time position. So even donations don't pay for this guy's salary. We have a donor that pays for that, right? But now it's like, hey, what do we... What do we do going forward if we don't have money coming in? Well, naturally, Paul, the executive director, doing what he's doing, right? I mean, he's making sure vets are out there, you know, getting their needs fulfilled, doing all that portion of it. Then I've got the real estate side of this, right, where I've got several salaried employees. I mean, that's the thing is no one that works for us is commission. A really Interesting. Odd, odd thing, right, is we pay them salary. So... Our GCI, gross commission income, that comes in, so for the audience that doesn't understand our business model is I do all business development. I bring in all the business. Um, Michelle handles all the boots on the ground. Lynn handles, who's a salary. Lynn, who's a transaction coordinator, that handles all the paperwork. Laura, my wife and business partner, runs all the compliance, right? And we pay ourselves a salary based off of the GCI that comes in. That way, nobody's thinking about money. Mm. They're thinking about delivering service. But here's the thing. I mean, even if you take me out of it, plus I had two other people, three other people that work for us. So we've um, there that play more minor roles. And and so I've got, if you take me even out of the equation, I go one, two, three, four, five, six employees on the real estate side. Then over on the restaurant side, I've got 25. I've got my general manager who every time I can give this guy a shout out, I'm going to say it, Jeremy Watchburn. If anybody comes and hires him from me, <laughs> he'll kill him. Well, I mean, it's, that sounds like a threat. Let's just say <laughs> they may be, there may be some rendition that goes on to a country <laughs> where uh, less than appreciated interrogation techniques can take place. Because this guy's our rock star, right? And that's another story we can break down for later. But we've got his wife, who's also a manager. We've got like 25 employees, cooks, servers. Man, you name it. So here it is, is I've got over 30 people in this moment when this is all going down that I got to go, I got to worry about, right? Right. So 
as an individual, they're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to me and right. my job? And mm-hmm. should I go get employment and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there going, hey, you're worried about you. And I'm not saying this, you know, because as the person sitting in the big chair, right? So you, are you. Yeah, yeah. You go, all right, you're worried about one thing. I'm worried about over 30. Right. Now, on the real estate side, fortunately, um, we run our business model in that. We don't live and die on the vine of any deal. We do so much in volume and we do it so well that our retained earnings sit at a status where I knew we could, we could, even if we didn't close on another deal for quite some time, and I mean, we had some serious runway, my people were going to get paid. I reassured them, y'all are going to get paid. Even if we don't close another deal between now and the end of summer, we're good. I got you covered. So them, they're like, oh. Right. Because you relieve that stress from them and then it's okay. But since you don't have that stress, time to go to work. Yeah. yeah. But you're talking about a different sophistication level where everybody on my side over there for the real estate side, they've got degrees, some with advanced degrees and so forth and a little more sophistication. And this is not to take anything away from the restaurant side, but the restaurant side is a lot less sophisticated. Right. Um, You know, we've got $10 an hour cooks. We've got servers that make. Uh, two and some change an hour plus tips. Uh, we've got, um, you know, managers and and everybody. So my fear that was jumping in was if they don't come to work, that operation is going to shut down mm-hmm. and a restaurant runs on thin margins and the runway for that one ain't going to last very long. And I was watching as this was happening, as the stimulus coming out and all of this, as I had to make a very unpopular, and who knows, maybe the IRS comes and knocks on my door, the government comes and knocks on my door and says, you're a very bad person for this, you shouldn't do this. But the only thing I was thinking of is, how do I make sure that I have 25 employees on this side of the house, over here on the restaurant side, that get taken care of, that make sure they show up and make sure they get paid. And so I called Jeremy, my general manager, and I said, I need you to move all, we're going to move all money because we were due for sales tax, which, you know, you want to get me started on that with sales taxes and comptrollers and TABC and all that, what we spent a month there and payroll tax. I had all this, I had some, I mean, man, this thing happened right when is my big nut for the month, right? In the middle of the month is when that's the most expensive for me. I said, we're going to shift all that money over. I'm going to have you go meet the banker and get that in cash. And, and it wasn't because I was a panic run on the bank thing is I thought, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that cash will operate because one of the things that we've built in census practice was what happens if processors stop, stop processing? You know, what happens is the batches aren't coming through on Mondays and Tuesdays. Yep. You know, what happens if the money, if the money from the sales that we got to go through the credit card company stopped coming for whatever reason, because nobody knew, that's going to shut me down, and I'm not shutting down, right? Wow. If I'm going to shut down, I'm going to shut down because you have burned me to the ground, uh-huh. right? <laughs> and so the purpose of that cash was no matter what, we can still operate with cash. And then I said, look, um, all these closings, they hadn't happened in Tarrant County yet, but they were happening all over the place, all over the rest of the country. I said, it's coming. And my general manager, he's upset. He's like, man, this is all a hoax, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look— there's what we can believe what it is and what's getting ready to happen. And I'm pretty sure if we're watching indicators, 
of what's going on all around, then that's, that's, we got no choice. Right. And I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to sacrifice the livelihood of my employees because we believe something or not believe something. Right. And so we get the cash and I said, here's the other thing we're going to do. I want you to go down and buy every, everything that is essential for making pizzas. Right. So we make pizzas, sandwiches, wings, all this other good stuff. And I said, and we need boxes. Get every box you can possibly buy. Because what's going to happen is these restaurants are going to start shutting down. Some of them are going to make it. It's going to cause spikes in certain costs. And I at least want to have inventory on hand. Instead of doing just-in-time inventory, we need to build up a surplus. So that way, as those spike, we can carry out the mission, still making better profits until we run out, and then we'll deal with the spikes, right? And and so we did. And, and Jeremy's like, okay. And I said, here's the other thing we're going to do. Um, Make the schedule fair for cooks and servers where everybody can come and get a part of the week and let's reduce our hours, right? Uh, as that happens, as the closing down starts happening, let's reduce the hours. And everybody that comes to work is going to get paid in cash. And he's like, what? I was like, yeah, we're going to pay him in cash. Cooks are going to get paid in the beginning of shift 60 bucks cash. Servers, by the end of their shift, because now they're only working like five-hour shifts, are going to make at least, if they don't, whatever they don't make, the delta between $60 and whatever they make will make up the difference. If it's over 60, we ain't paying them anything because by that point, they're doing just fine. Yeah. And I said, and what we're going to do is we're just going to, I need you to receipt everything and we'll worry about the payroll taxes on this stuff later. And then, you know, he was stressed out and he was like, well, TABC is going to come shut us down because we didn't pay the taxes. I was like, bro, listen, <laughs> old school pizza tavern is going to be the last worry of their, or, I mean, they're, they're watching this happen everywhere, yeah. right? We'll, yeah. we'll, we will figure that out. And we did. Later after this was all coming back, we did. We went, we paid all the taxes, we caught everything up, we did everything we That's were supposed awesome. to do. But in that moment was, I said, we're going to pay these cooks 60 bucks in the beginning of shift. And he said, why not at the end of shift? They could just take the money and leave. And I went, they ain't going anywhere. So let me tell you why. See, a cook that makes 10 bucks an hour actually takes home 750 an hour because 250 of it goes to taxes, social security, Medicaid, Medicare, and all that other stuff. But that cook doesn't cost me 10 bucks an hour. It costs me 1250 an hour because I have to match all that. Right. So a cook that makes 750 an hour, that actually costs me five bucks. Mm. Right. That's, that's the reality of the, that's, that's the reality of the system. You could technically say 250, whichever, wherever you, know, you want to break it down. Is I'm going to have to have $5 per hour ready to go to Uncle Sam, Yeah. right? And I'm the one that's got to write that check. But I said, but our cooks are also used to being paid every other Friday, right? And those, those checks come on time because we use a payroll system where it's direct deposit on Friday. That money's in there, right? Money comes out of us. I think on Monday, they're paid on Fridays. But I said... But these folks are used to being paid every other Friday. They're going to know that when they come to work, they're going to get cash. They're going to come to work to get that cash. They're going to get there to show up. Because cash is king. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. Cash is king. So as this happens and cash is king coming in, they're going to come to work. Because my fear was if we don't incentivize mm -hmm. them, if we don't keep that interest level, mm -hmm. as you talk about, up, then people are sitting at home making 
I don't know, 15 bucks an hour on unemployment, then we got a real problem on our hands. And it's not a, just a problem on our hands, a problem on the restaurant is not going to be reopening and the restaurant's not going to be able to provide 25 jobs when this is all said and done. So call me right, call me wrong, call me evil, call me whatever. I was only thinking about the interests of the 25 people that I cared about. And, it, you know, I can have anybody tell me how right or wrong I did it, but that is why I did it. It was because I wanted to make sure that not only did they still get taken care of during the pandemic as essential personnel, but I wanted to make sure that they still continued to have a job when the pandemic was over. And had I just played along by the regular rules, we wouldn't have made it. And 25 people would have been added to the unemployment ratio. That is a permanent ratio because they're not coming back to work and it's something that doesn't open up, right? So we make these weird, hard decisions that employees, I don't believe a lot of times, have the, the, the ability or the experience or the functionality to put themselves in our shoes to go, some very hard decisions are being made right now. And what I hope is if any of those employees are ever listening to this podcast that they know, we did it for them. Yeah. Because here's what a lot of businesses did. Hey, I don't think I'm going to make it through this. And I know I'm not going to make it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go take as much cash out of this. I'll claim bankruptcy and do everything else. And at least it gives me money. Right? A lot of that went down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of that went down. Not, not me. I could have. Because guess what? That's my business. You doubled up. You did two I doubled, things. I doubled. I, I doubled down, man. Well, you did two yeah. things. You yeah. did you, your interest level of you. You were interested in their interest. Interested in their well-being. Yeah. You were interested enough in the obviously the restaurant surviving. Yeah. Everybody's well-being. So you made it happen. You also, as we talked a few minutes ago, you weren't constrained, or being you weren't forced to be constrained by something that lets you do it and go outside those bounds. So we yeah. were talking about earlier where one of the luxuries of being the owner is you can do those things outside. Nobody else told you you couldn't. Yeah. Whether it was internal or external, you did it. So I don't have anybody to answer things. to, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's why so, I try to that's why I try to explain to people. It's like, look, when the bill collectors come, they don't come for you. They come for me. Right. When the banks come, they don't come for you. They come for me. When Uncle Sam comes, yeah. he's coming for me, not you. So guess what? My business, my rules, I'm going to do what's necessary. But instead of thinking of self, I was thinking selfless. Right. Because I wanted those to happen. I wanted, I wanted, right. and we turned out okay. And we're still open for business when restaurants are closing their doors every day now. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's astounding to see what's happening there. It's a, probably a yeah. tangent, but huh. you look at even, you know, downtown New York City, <sighs> downtown San Francisco, um, even places where there's high density. Yeah. Um, for other reasons, not just because of, you know, the event that happened, but also people, you know, leaving the area. But uh, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, it's just, it's, it's wild. Even some of these big names have been around for a long time. But again, you made it happen. You found a way to do it. You yeah. did it. And it's, you know, it's, it's commendable to do that. But you also did what I think is the right thing. You kept it going despite some serious. So if you can go through that, you can go through almost anything. Yeah. I mean, seriously. You, that's the thing about being a business owner is you're there to make unpopular decisions unpopular? at the yeah. most inconvenient times. You had to be, you had to innovate. You had to be that, that creative. Yeah. There was not some playbook. That's one thing <laughs> oh that I, that, I, that got me when I, all through school was like you read these, you know, these fancy uh, books and you learn these yeah. fancy things and professors oh. tell you fancy stuff. And yeah. even even the case studies that they have you go over, you never are prepared for the realities of actually going through it and owning it. 
No, it's you, never the case. You you are you you are you are not. Um, that's Rudy's down there. Sorry, I, I saw that our 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 next guest that will come on after you is down there on the first floor. Um, sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, um. So uh, anyhow, um, yeah, and that's the that's that's the that's the hard part about being an owner. That's that entrepreneur courage, right? And and that's what I love about this podcast is interviewing executives and business owners and how you know what it, what it takes because a lot of people say they want to go do it, but what they see is they see the production results that are pretty, yes, but they don't see all the ugliness that goes mm-hmm. into m- making all this happen, right? I mean, right. just like you, I mean, you're sitting there at like, wait a minute, I've got a real problem, but instead of laying down or going, hey, who, you know, whoever <laughs> that I answer to, wait a minute, I don't, that can give me the answers, you figure it out, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's one thing I give my father a lot of credit for because he's a very hardy type. Yeah, he's very um, he's 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 like you, where he's gonna he's gonna find a way to make it happen. Yeah. And, and if I were ultimately in the same situation, I would too. Yeah, I know I would by nature, but also just just by having seen him do it. But even through the most uncomfortable, difficult situations in this business in the past, um, I'd see him do it do something anyway, kind of like what you did. Yeah, and he, he's done that kind of thing, and anything he's ever been involved with. So, and, and if it's not your nature, you're still going to find a way to do it if you're interested enough. But I think yeah. he's naturally that way, but also he's been interested to do it. So it's it's interesting to hear that when you hear these the ways that people will make things go anyway. Yeah, like there's no option. Like even with these companies that we we've been doing, there's no option other than to have this be the result. And so, you know, it might be something that no one's ever heard of be, and be crazy. So. Yeah, I got to give you a lot of credit, but that's awesome for doing that. Hopefully your employees do hear it, you know, man. And, you know, and here's the thing is. Yeah, some of the decision I made, some of the decisions I made might have been a little unorthodox, but where I get my unorthodox thinking is from great people like you. (laughs) I love, love, love having conversations with people that think different to go. What can I pick up out of this? What can I learn from this person that? Maybe might not do anything in the next couple of minutes, days, weeks, or months, but at some point there's going to be something that I learned from you that will apply to whatever that is later. And it's really funny is I, I should keep a better journal of things. That way I can give the right credit to the right people. Um, that's what uh, um, one of our guests had said is just goes, hey, you know, anybody that's successful didn't get there by climbing the rope by themselves, right? Whether right. Right. And, and and I don't mean necessarily like somebody carried you there, but you got a a wealth of information, yes. learning mm-hmm. experience or something, or even you tripped over your own shoelaces. And when somebody could have slayed you for it, instead, they say, how about we learn from this? You know, yep. whatever that is, that way, when you do get to that point, you're hitting successes. And you had said something earlier that really ring out to me and really saying to me is when you went to your dad and you're like, look, I, 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 you don't even have to pay me. I just want to learn from you. And I think, actually, I believe that 
That's something a lot of people don't think about doing. It's like, wait a minute. Because when you think of someone who's really, really successful, right? What is their hourly? What are they, you know, if I, like I've got an hourly rate, right? If I had to break down all the business that I break in, you know, bring in and blah, 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 blah. I know what that hourly rate is, right? It's a pretty significant number. And if somebody wants to come and learn through all the things that I've done, you don't get to jump straight to that rate, <laughs> right? Hey, wait a minute. No, there's a hill to climb to do that. Yeah. And, but if somebody were to come and say, hey, I want to be careful of your time. And that's, that's the thing is I always tell people, I'm like, one of the reasons in Aaron, our fabulous producer, uh, who has taken such great care of us and just made this whole seamless process for this podcast series, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is the gift of time, right? If you, and she was saying yesterday, she was like, man, your guests are pretty, pretty impressive people. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> actually, I knew they were impressive. And then now they open the Komodo and tell me things that I didn't even know before. I'm like, wow, this is like blowing me out of the water. And my respect is even more and higher is these folks like yourself have agreed to come and gift me with your time to do this podcast. And I believe it's because I've always respected your time. And when you respect somebody's time, they will they will open up they'll open up the time for you. Right. If you don't respect somebody's time, they're not going to. And so, if somebody were to come and go, I just want to learn, you know, and I'm not going to be intrusive. Oh, I would eat that up in a heartbeat, like because I do. I mean, as success, we don't want it to die with us. We would love for someone else to come and take it, the ball, and run with it, or do whatever else. Well, the, yeah. we talked earlier, the information is power, but knowledge is power. But it's just knowing things. And really, the only way you're going to get to really know so many things so well is, is by actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, you might have your sources that you read every day, like you do for a few hours each morning mm -hmm. and I do and so on. But unless you're doing it and with the right people and, yeah. you know, frankly, the wrong people also yeah. to learn what not to do. Yeah. And not everybody's perfect. You know, like, I've got my faults. You've got yours. and. Oh, man, we could do a whole <laughs> podcast series on those alone, couldn't we? I mean, you can't be perfect, right? Yeah. You, so it's yeah. good that, yeah, so like you're yeah. right, though, like just want to learn something. And if someone's willing to help you out and do that yeah, and get there and, you know, whether it pays back for you or not, in fact, you did it. But that's it's a key thing for so many people, there's no doubt. Yeah. And I, so I've got a young man who's interested in coming to work with me. And if I didn't think he has the potential of a chance, the answer would have been, nah, it's not going to happen. Um, so I didn't tell him no. I didn't tell him yes. And I could tell he was a little frustrated. But I said, hey, look, the good news is, is 99% of people that come to me get a no without even a bleep <laughs> because I know if they're a fit or not a fit or not a potential or anything else, not because they're not bad people, not because they're not smart people. They're just not the right person that I am looking for, right? And I said, if you do turn out to be that person, it's going to be a year before you come to work for me. And the saucer-sized eyeballs like, what? Who does that? And I said, look, I'm building something that is important. And I'm building something where clients are going to know that everybody on this team right. was picked to be the right person. Right. Because I don't want to experience a, hey, wait a minute. I make more money sitting on my butt than coming to work. Not saying that, you know, this, yeah. the, this, this gentleman wouldn't. 
But then I said, um, so if you're willing to run, run the, run the gauntlet for a year, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a shot at the title, but you got to be willing. Yeah. He said, okay. And I said, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do a lot of weird things. And I said, and they're not going to make any sense to you whatsoever. But if you do run the gauntlet and get a shot at the title here and get to come work with the best subject matter experts in the real estate industry, then all this will make sense later to you. And he says, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, in the Marine Corps, from day one, they have you drop and sit Indian style all the time. You know, and I don't even know if that's the appropriate, we'll offend somebody by saying oh, yeah, that, cross-legged, whatever, right? You drop and you sit there all the time. And they have you go up and down and up and down and up and down. And you're like, why do they have a sit like this? Well, it's because on week six, when you're at the range, right? And Marines are known for our rifle skills. One of the shooting positions is that cross-legged position. And you need to be able to drop into that position that conditioned, right? So um, I said, if you're willing to do that, and he said, okay. And so I said, come out with me to my truck. And I pull out a Rogue's cube, right? You know, the little nine-sided thing with the different colors. And I said, you ever seen one of these? He goes, yeah. So you're done with these? He goes, nope. And I mixed it up, tossed it to him. And I said, when you figure it out, come talk to me. <laughs> That's funny. And of course, I tell Laura about this. She's like, well, I would have quit right there. <laughs> and I says, well, the good thing is you're already my business partner. <laughs> but the next person that's going to come work for me is going to figure it out. Here's the thing is, I'm not doing it to be cruel or anything. I'm doing it to see two things. A, are you going to quit just because something's hard or you don't get something? Or B, are you going to figure it out? Mm -hmm. Right? Now, this poor kid, when he solves that one, I've got a 25 Faced one. <laughs> I'm going to toss to him next. If he listens to this before he gets it, he's, he's just going to be like, I don't know. But the, the purpose of the exercises are I'm not always going to be there to answer every question. And sometimes there's going to be a sense of urgency that I'm going to need you to figure it out. Yep. And I would rather you absolutely work your best to figure it out and deliver and be wrong than to not try. That's how it was for us with, with, with our second company. Uh, the real estate thing, I could, when I was a kid and even younger, and it was, that was my dad's forte, I could ask him questions and, 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 and here and there. And still do, he still made me do some of my own things, too, but most of my own things. The manufacturing side was new for everybody, yeah. and we didn't know anything. And I didn't have a choice but to actually figure it out and do it. Like, literally, the first time I really, I struggled a lot on the real estate side because I just, there were some new things he didn't know either. But yeah. as far as the manufacturing side, what we do now. Same deal, where it literally, like literally, had to do everything from scratch on my own, never taught it, had to figure it out, even yeah. some things that seem simple. So you're right, you have to do that. You have to answer your own questions. So it's true. I only because I, we're just going to have to take this episode and split it into two. So sorry, Aaron. <laughs> some of these, just, when you get gone, like all the guests have been great and they've all gone, you know, we stayed, some have gone longer than others, but you are definitely one of my favorite people to talk to. Not just learning more about this because I really do want the audience to hear what you and I do on a daily basis. That once we knew that about each other, man, we were like bros for life, right? Is being an information junk. So yeah. let's take 10, 15 minutes and talk about this. Of, you know, I, I know what I look at. You know, I, I, I get up in the morning and the first thing I do is I hit geopolitical futures. I want to know what's going on on a global level. I hit Wall Street Journal. I skim through headlines. If something looks like it's relevant and important, I dive more into it. Associated Press, 
And uh, Reuters, I read Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. You know, we've talked about, you know, obstacles away. Yeah. Um, and I've added a few because of my good friend, TJ. So let's talk about those. Let's talk about yours that I've now added to mine. Good. By the way, George is great. And you have to be very careful because you will find yourself spending 24 hours straight listening. To that I know. Guy. He's awesome. He's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like I won't get anything done. Like I have, binge to, watch I have him. to put, I, I have know. to, I have to put him on a timer to go, wait he's, a minute, I'm going I'm to listen to George because yep. he's, he's a little radical, but man. He's awesome. He's, uh, he's, he's got some my number one, I have a bunch of guys but, and gals, but he's my number one, number one source as yeah. far as individual goes. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Just Amazing. So that's uh, just George Gammon. Yeah. G-A-M-M-O-N. That's right. And he's uh, he's a workhorse, too. Even when he's, yeah. you know, traveling around the world, he still does um, something every day. Yeah. Or at and least he'll really miss two or three days. Man, when I was listening to the podcast and you and I were talking about it a couple of weeks later, and you went, no, you got to do the YouTube one. The YouTube is just all out there. And that's that's how I... His YouTube yeah. whiteboard videos and his... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's so clear. He clarifies, and he makes sure you understand it. Right. So he takes these complicated concepts, you know, is there, is there going to be inflation, deflation, what are the means behind it, and Federal Reserve this, and government that, but he'll break down how things move very complicated from a very complicated stance, Yeah. you know, assets and, and liabilities on a, on a bank's balance sheet, where they go, and so on. And he, he, break, he makes it simple in steps. The way he presents is good. He's clear. He's got a personality. He's funny. And he makes sure you get it by doing it in... Three simple steps, as he does, <laughs> but he's very thorough. He makes it interesting, what otherwise might be, you know, drab. But even yeah. it'll go for an hour, and, you, and and I'll find myself watching the same one more than once a lot right. of the time. He, same I've thing had, for you. I've had that happen on several yeah. topics, especially ones that I'm not as familiar with, that I'm like, ooh, wait a minute. I feel, yeah. like, I, I feel like I need to listen to that again. The way I, I, do you remember when Jeff Foxworthy had that TV show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Uh, rings a bell. Yeah. Anyhow, I feel like I feel like that's what he does, right? Like yeah. I'm going to break this down. Where he's I mean, awesome. I, or as I would say, he makes it marine proof, right? <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. So Gammon's one of them. Yeah. Let's he's, talk about he's fantastic. Let's yeah. talk about some of these others that, by the way, have been really, really interesting to follow. And yeah. Watch. So there's uh, another one of my, my favorite sources is uh, Zero Hedge. Zero Hedge. Yeah. It is awesome. Like if I go in there and get my if I go get my laptop right now and I pull it up. You're still going to see it open from this morning, right? All these tabs, <laughs> all, the tabs yep. all these tabs, yep. all these Same, tabs. Yep. So, yep, yep. exactly. Yep. So there, a lot of people will call them uh, extreme, but they back everything up with extreme data. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just no arguing with the and you're a data junkie. Yeah. All the charts and graphs and the the way they write is very of intelligent. What gets me is how prolific those guys are, because they they churn out even on weekends about ten to twelve new articles I, every day. I mean, it's nonstop. And, and to me, yeah. most of it, you can never say everything's indisputable, but so much of it is indisputable because the way yeah. they argue it is backed up with facts and figures and charts and logic, and it's it's hard to argue it. So what I have to do is make sure that I don't look at only that and get the echo chamber going mm -hmm. and look at what else may be spinning around out there to know what they're at least thinking. But but as far as, like, trusting and source-wise, they're number one for me. As far yeah. as, like, um, especially from a, from a domestic economic um uh, they do they do global as well standpoint they're yeah. phenomenal you know and so those guys are and, and, and gals who probably work for them also but they're just phenomenal they're just really good source probably the best one i have yeah, yeah. and the other great one that's a little creepy but very cool shadow stats the shadow stats yeah, yeah. shadow yeah. and that's another thing where um he actually 
puts the right data out there. So unemployment yeah. numbers, um, any numbers you can think of that. The like you said, the real numbers that, you know, CNN and Fox News were not quite, quite wolf wolfing about. Right? Anything that they, uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that, that, that gets put out by the uh, government or really mainstream that just listens yeah. to what the government says. And I'm going to sound tinfoil hat myself by saying yeah. this, but you know that things are what they want you to hear and yeah. think. Okay. So what I do is I look for different sources that I know are giving you the straight truth. And so, for example, instead of the CPI, I look at the Chapwood Index, which is a different, yep. whole, yeah, whole different yep. way of looking at uh, inflation or not. Um, as far as like statistics go, employment, uh, economic numbers, and so on, you got to go with, well, I, I go with that particular source because they're, they're really fantastic. And then I have some certain people also that I follow that are pretty good. There's a, a gentleman named John Kim who yeah. runs what he calls the uh, SK Wealth Academy. SK and he's Wealth actually Academy. available. Yeah, he's actually available on on, on Patreon. Okay. Um, and he's he's really good. Say, S, what's, what's it? SK. SK. Yeah. S like Sierra, K like Kilo, Wealth Academy. Wealth. SK Wealth Academy. And um, he does daily uh, podcasts from an uh, investment standpoint, also life standpoint. He's not just... He's really good because he's focused on not just the investment side of things and the economics. He'll talk about li- things that are important for in life. Yeah. Um, just hard to describe it. Like de- de- responsibility, um, how to live a more productive life, um, you know, um, even things as you know, things that are geared towards your well-being, eating right, um, exercising well. He talks about those things also. He's very well-rounded. Um, he's a great guy, too. I've talked to him a bunch of times, actually. And uh, he's pretty good with, with what he puts out. Investment-wise, he's a genius. And when it comes to the personal side of things, too, in life, he's great there also. He's a good, well-rounded source as opposed to just, you know, charts and numbers and stuff. He's, he's great. So I'll have to give you his stuff as well. But he's really good. He's available on, on um, Patreon.com. So here's – I'm going to have a request. I got a request. Everybody's coming down these have been like, when do we get to do it again? But you have to be – the next round to do it again, because here's what I want us to do, right? Like, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to be a political religious, whatever, but I do get fascinated by the economy and having an unorthodox look. Here's what I want us to do. I want us, we're going to do the next set of, you know, we've done recordings over a period of two days and they're going to drop every Tuesday. The next set, we're going to wait till um, after the first week in November, just because I want to see, you know, hey, it'll give a little more content, see what happens with the election. That's going to be wild. That's going to be really wild. Uh, I think that there is a significant chance that this one gets solved in the Supreme Court, right? Kind of like back in when, you know, the Chad down in Florida, it's the Chad, right? Yep. Uh, Gore and, and Bush running against each other. Um, I, hopefully it doesn't. I think it'll put the country in bigger distress, but, you know, I'm curious to see that when that does happen. But I do think that the, I, ha- I certainly have an opinion on the economy. You and I have discussed that, and I don't want to. I don't want to unpackage that today, or we will never leave this room <laughs> because we will just start talking forever on this. <laughs> but you and I, we've agreed and then agreed to disagree on a few things. But um, the economy, I think, the one thing that you and I, through our conversation, agreed on is the economy isn't as good as a lot of people think that it is. Right? They 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 got these. They got these, they're living in la-la land for a lot of things. And um, and I think that there are three different parts of the economy, which are the big driving forces. You've got the real estate part of the economy, where you've got commercial and residential that are doing two different things. And even in residential and even in commercial, 
different types of commercial, which are some are going to advance and some that are going to really be sucking some serious wind. Same thing in the residentials arena with the different, you know, price points. Then you've got the stock market. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I can see it, man. If anybody's watching the YouTube, they did just see the infamous TJI roll on (laughs) the stock market because, oh, yeah, that's an indicator of the economy. Really? Well, I think it's like only 10% of the population actually owns 89% of the stocks or whatever that is, right? I don't don't want to quote any numbers. No, anybody call me a liar or anything. I'm just guesstimating. Um, (laughs) And then you've got the actual economy, right? And here's the thing. Unemployment's a real thing. And if you look at the transportation industry, airlines are laying off tens of thousands of people. The hospitality industry, nobody's going to hotels. The restaurant industry, we talked about that a little bit. And the retail industry. Yep. Right? And by the way, and I'll just leave this for people. I'm almost kind of, kind of almost like a prequel to when you and I come back in November. And You're teasing me game. also because I have so much to say. Oh, no, but man, <laughs> we can't unpackage this. But I want people to be stimulated by the thoughts of this is just run your census numbers, right? Census Bureau is going around taking a census right now. Just run your Census Bureau and look at how many jobs are provided by transportation, hospitality, retail, and restaurants. And by the way, those are full-time jobs that as these industries are winding down right now, how many jobs that adds to the unemployment. And unless companies are hiring these folks, that's a real number. Yep. And so next time, and this is what we're going to do. Like, this is what we're going to do is next time we're going to pick a few topics and that's, I mean, you know, and and we're just going to, Man, we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna battleship it, right? I mean, a little game battleship, right? Using my battleship, you know. And then I want us to come at it, and I know we're not always gonna agree on things, and we're gonna get you know whatever. But that's what makes it fun, right? I don't want everybody to think alike, but if if we can do that, would you, would you be willing to do that? I'm all for it. It'd be great. Oh, I think it would be so awesome because uh, the goal of that would be the listeners for that podcast is just to say, look, we're not trying to convince you of anything. We just want you to open your mind that just because Fox or CNN says something doesn't mean they're right. Right. You know, um, there's there's some more that goes to this. So um, I ask everybody this question yes, at sir. the end. And I know the answers could be 50 million, but you get to choose one. You go back and talk to 22-year-old self. 22-year-old TJ. What is the one thing? That if you could go back and grab TJ at 22 by the ears and say, hey, listen, either do or don't do this. And, 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 and just to be, if, this, if there, you don't listen to anything else, just listen to this one thing. What would that one thing be? If I could change one thing, it would be to, to uh, change my naivete. In Ooh, terms of. Say that again. Yeah. We all, we all have it to a degree, but yeah. the shock of. I don't know, how, do I, how do I make this sound positive without sounding <laughs> Just, I, I'll put it this way. I, I wish it was, I wish the world, the world was based on more merit than mm. it is. I didn't realize that when I was a lot younger. I thought, you know, nothing's guaranteed, of course, but Mm-mm. play by most rules, the ones that, you know, meaning you don't, you know, infringe upon anybody else and lie, cheat, and steal. Play by the rules and work hard and do the right thing. Things will generally probably go the way you want to. If they go even better than that, great. Uh, there's more ingredients to that than that, obviously, but if I had known more uh, back then about how much, um, you know, the world isn't as meritorious as I wish it would be, 
I would I would still work just as hard, but I probably wouldn't be as frustrated. I wouldn't let myself get as frustrated. All right. So the reason I was looking over at Erin, and she knows exactly what I'm going to say. She knows exactly what I'm going to say here. So I've got pages of notes of you are now the 12th guest, right? Um, we've done 10 recordings, but 12th guest because we had three folks, three brothers, the Goosehead brothers that were here, uh, Colby brothers. And so Aaron, as you met when you came in, is really the genius behind this whole podcast thing and has killed it. So anybody out there that is looking to do a podcast, Innovation Media Enterprises, don't even hesitate. Reach out to her. She has made this literally, as I say, marine proof, right? So easy a marine could do it. And uh, I mean, and it was nice. She she was nice. She didn't even bring crayons, right? <laughs> she thought she was going to have to use like sketches and crayons. But the reason I was looking at her is all these pages you see of notes that have taken along the way, because I, I try not to interrupt anybody. I've actually probably talked more in this podcast with you only because, man, when you and I get together, man, this is like a free for all. It is so hard not to say anything. And, uh, and I apologize because I really wanted this to be about you. But, man, you're just you're one of those guys that I, I mean, just, that intellectual stimulation of like, man, let's just. Let's just crush I'll this take one of no one, so there yeah, you go. Yeah, thank you. But the reason I have all this is that same question I asked you. We've asked 12 people since starting these recordings. Not one answer has been the same. Interesting. Not one answer. Like we could literally, we almost should name these podcasts after, what would you tell 22-year-old self? I mean, and, and so we've kind of made this joke as this has gone on further cool. and further is at some point, someone is going to say something that someone else said. Right. I mean, it's just kind of happened. This There's is only proof so you're not many... feeding us lines, everybody. No, I mean, it, it's, it, that, that's exactly what I've said is this is absolute candidness in answers because you're not just given some cliche response. I mean, you, you know you better than you, and you know you at 22 and know you now that you know, hell, man, this is what I would go say. Right. Yeah. And so having 12 different answers is just, I think that's become one of the most exciting things about the podcast. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah. 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 That's just, that is just, that's what we are aiming for is just truth, success stories, you know, just having great, great guests on here that can just talk about incredible things that, you know, the, our target audience is higher performers. Yep. And this is almost meant to be like a therapeutic session of other high performers to go, I'm not alone. Other people. And, and our <laughs> last guest exists. said the same thing. He goes, well, while the answers to 22-year-old self are different for every one of the guests, the journeys have a lot of similarities with a whole lot of brain damage that went on, right? Uh, just like, oh, yeah, I've been through similar thing, parallels, right? And that's what we do. We get together, we share things, and we, we try to help each other become better, right? Yeah. We try to love on each other. You know, if somebody had told me that you could be more successful by loving on people 25 years ago, especially... Well, actually, I'd have to put it longer ago than that. I've been out of the Marines now 26 years, so it would have to have been like 27 years or longer ago. Yeah. Uh, I would have been like, what? No, it's just share with people, man. Open that up. Be transparent and go, hey, this is what it is. Yeah. Right. And so somebody wants to get some products from you or learn more about your industry or buy sandless sandbags What's the best way for them to find information out for you? We've got a site for each product, but uh, okay. the general company webpage 
is monarch green. So monarch like the king, green like the color.com. That's our general uh, company landing page where we have our three different lines there. The traditional spill and oil cleanup products. Okay. The sandless sandbag products and the water removal products for, from, for, for um, oils and fuels and facilities are the uh, water hog products. So the monarchgreen.com. Okay. And the my flood bag, my F L O O D like flood bag.com goes into the uh, sandless sandbag products and how your lives are much easier not having to have regular sandbags anymore. They come pre-made, they're biodegradable inside, they're clean. How much do they weigh when they come out? They only come to about six and a half pounds. Yeah, you told uh, me that before. And the whole yeah. reason I was making that point is where were you when I was in the Marine Corps feeling those things? <laughs> That's and right. And then carrying those things. Yeah, literally. Yeah, Saves thanks a lot. Labor. Thanks a lot. Like, why did you have to wait to come on the surf to make yeah. this great product way after all the heavy lifting I did back yeah. then? Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. They come exactly. They come six pre-made watered, whether it's water or, or whether it's fresh or salt water. Yeah. Because there's similar products that have been thought of before, but ours actually work with salt water as well. As you can imagine, there's a big need for that. Oh, yeah. So Especially with the hurricanes and everything yeah. else, right? Yeah. So, so salt, I'm sorry, I keep saying it. So fresh and salt water yeah. uh, for the My Flood Bag product. And then the MyWaterHog.com, okay. my, M-Y-W-A-T-E-R-H-O-G, MyWaterHog.com will be um, specific for the water hog products, which are, you know, for the uh, water removal as, a, as an impurity in fuels and oils. So monarchgreen.com is the main site that encompasses everything, and you can go from there okay. or individually like I just uh, I just laid out. So thank you for asking. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, anything, I mean, part of, you know, part of Winning Strategies Playbook is to be able to give people access to the great guests that come on here to at least their products. Maybe not necessarily the guests themselves because, Many executives, well, you're not, you're, we don't really have time to answer that phone all the time, right? Right. It's, but we've got great people that will. And, um, but yeah, any man, thank you for your time, TJ. This was great. We're going to do another one in November and we're going to go. Aaron's already looking at me going, I have no <laughs> idea what's going to go on now. And there might just be like a sensor button that just goes, 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 right? <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me and it's been fantastic yeah. as usual. And, Hopefully we can talk some more about the span group as well in the next. Oh show, man. man, this is mainly about you guys, right? This is this is that's what this is. Is um, you know if this was going to be about the span group, right? Then it would be um, just me in here talking to a microphone, right? <laughs> I've I've got a couple of stories, but I've got so many more great people in my network, just like you. That that's that's what people want to hear, right? They want to hear the common themes of guess what? Yeah, it takes hard work and yeah. doing this great, man. So. Thanks again, my Thank friend. You. Appreciate and it. And yeah, we look forward to the That's next fantastic. one. Fantastic. I really All appreciate right. it.